Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including at Mining Don, Jared W., and Paul M. On the show today is Haya Don, co-founder and CEO of Osino Resources, a gold exploration company focused on their projects in Namibia. Osino is a position held at Smith Weekly Research. The company is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol OSI and also on the U.S. OTC markets under the symbol O-S-I-I-F. Hiya, welcome back and how are you, sir? Thank you very much. Thanks for having us again. I'm well, thank you. Well, Hiya, let's start off with you personally for a moment. Are you pretty much splitting your time between South Africa and Namibia at this point? And how are things in both countries with COVID, protests, you know, disasters like that that we're seeing? Yeah, sure. So unfortunately, I'm not spending my time between Namibia and South Africa because I'm, I'm locked up in my house in Cape Town in South Africa, because um, so South Africa has a, um, a very high infection rate. I think we, we're in the top six worldwide by now. We've got about 400,000 cases. We've got a low death rate, so it's nothing worrying, even though the international media is sort of portray, portraying it as being very uh, dangerous, etc., which it isn't really. Um, but from a business perspective, with reference to Asino, it means we cannot travel, neither internationally nor to Namibia. But that's okay because we have a very strong team in Namibia who are basically managing the exploration. So I've been working quite productively from my home here in South Africa. In Namibia, on the other hand, the COVID situation is quite manageable. Um, it's, you know, we've got a low level of infection, something a couple of hundred cases, no lockdown, um, and people are operating freely. So luckily we financed um, sufficiently earlier this year. So we are very active and um yeah we got a bunch of draw rigs going very very active yes i hear namibia is doing uh, pretty well and really no issues coming out of there at all so that's fantastic i think it points to some degree how the jurisdiction has handled things and it's just a good jurisdiction uh, hands down well where are we headed with gold prices here haya um all-time highs very near do you see that we'll be hitting that and heading higher or do you see that prices might correct here you know, I must say, I'm obviously not an, not an economist. I'm just a dumb money engineer. But um, I think you don't need to be an economist to see where prices are heading. I think I think we've got a long way to go. I mean, you just look at the uh, fiscal stimulus that's being applied across the world. Um, I forget the number, but it must be, I think the total quantum is something like five or seven times as much paper money being thrown into the system as, as they did in 2008 after the global financial crisis. So... My feeling is we ain't seen nothing yet. I think this is just the beginning. I think it's obviously very good for company, companies like ourselves where markets are you know, very supportive at the moment and probably will stay so for quite a while. Certainly agreed. And with a little bit of patience, I think everybody will start to see that uh, we're certainly headed higher from here. Well, speaking of money being raised, you guys have raised uh, about 32 million Canadians so far this year. Where do you stand on cash now, and how long will this capital last the company from here? 
Yeah, you're, you're right. We raised twice, once in January and then unexpectedly again now recently. So our cash position right now is in the region of, let me just add it up, uh, around about $25 million in the bank. That's before warrant exercises. I mean, we've got a bunch of warrants that are already in the money, which uh, come due from about September, which adds uh, quite substantially to that cash position. So some might argue that it's too much. Maybe we, some people felt, you know, the second financing we did was maybe maybe taking too much. But um, I disagree with that. I think we we did it because our projects have evolved so well that we expect a substantial increase in our activities. And so we've just basically positioned ourselves for that. So you asked me how long will this will this money last? Well, basically, it's going to allow us to drill flat out with many drill rigs for the foreseeable future, literally for all of this year, all of next year, including feasibility studies, development studies, PEAs, um, acquisition of surface rights, etc. So we really well set up um, and we are financed for the foreseeable future, possibly all the way into development. Well, very good. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with the company as far as what happens on the ground and what might be needed as far as expenses going forward. You certainly have a good position here arguably at some good prices as well. So what is the current uh, breakdown of the major shareholders here? You've got resource capital funds, you've got Ross, yourself, management. Is there anyone else here that you want to mention as far as major shareholder and what are the current ownership percentages roughly? Um, yes, yeah, so I think you summarize it quite well there. Ross is still the biggest shareholder. He's, he, after this last financing, he went down to around about 13%, 12%, 13%. Resource capital funds is next, just under 10. Um, then different accounts associated with my family and, and Alan Friedman, my co-founder. We've uh, got about 8% or so. Um, and then it's actually the notable new names have been quality blue chip institutional investors like Earth Resources, uh, Merck, Rothschilds, you know, the real who's who of uh, North American and European mining investors that have come in in the last two financings. Um, and they all hold, you know, varying, varying percentages. Um, and then we've got a, quite a big component of Swiss and German high net worth, um, and then a bit of retail. So I think that's, that's, that, that sort of sums it up. So importantly, about 40% of the company, close to 50% of the company actually, is held by insiders and uh, sort of people or entities closely associated with the insiders. That's very important in terms of, uh, you know, controlling the destiny of the company going forward. And Ahaya, with the capital raisings that have occurred and all the events that have happened, where are you at as far as how many shares you have? And can you share with us at what cost do you have your shares at this point? Of that 8% that I mentioned to you, about two thirds of that is associated with me and entities closely associated with myself, like my father and some others. So basically we, we participated in every financing. I would say, I mean, I would have to give you an exact number and actually calculate it. So I, I, I speak under correction here. But if you work it out, the weighted average costs probably around 40 cents, 35 cents, around about there. I mean, with the financings, just to give you a sense. So we did our first seed financing was done at 20 cents. Uh, we then did one at 38. We, RCF came in at 48. We did a small down round last year at 35. And then we raised money in January this year at 78. And then the last financing that was done now recently was done at $1.10. So that gives you a sense. I would say the average entry price of all the money that has come in so far is probably in the 
in the 70s, mid 70s around there. Sorry, I haven't, I haven't done the numbers. So uh, obviously speak on a correction. No, I think that puts it into a pretty good perspective of where things are at and, and well done on your side. Well, let's talk about Twin Hills. Overview current results for us um, and the plan to extend and define further gold mineralization for the rest of the year. Can you just go over what's going on and how things are shaping up? Yeah, thanks. You know, Twin Hills is obviously, that's the rock star. And I say that because it's going to become a substantial, mineable, economically mineable resource very soon. Um, and we will demonstrate that through a maiden resource report 43101 compliant, which we plan to put out by the first quarter of next year. We're pushing very hard. There's a small chance we might be able to do it earlier, but give myself a bit of gap. So that's going to put on the book a substantial resource of, I believe, and I hope, and obviously this is non-43101 compliant, so take it with a pinch of salt or with some caution, but I believe it's going to be between one and a half and two million ounces. So that's substantial, and that's just the starting point. You asked me about the ongoing exploration around it, uh, which we're going to do, which will make that bigger, no doubt. So at the moment, we've got four drill rigs on the ground. We're in the process of mobilizing an additional two drill rigs, so four diamond and two RC rigs. And that will be focused or is focused on uh, resource definition drilling, expansion drilling. That's what we're doing right now. That's basically to, to, to turn these answers that I just mentioned uh, to book um, and to get the drill spacing down to 43101 compliant uh, levels. And then two additional RC rigs, which we are mobilizing very soon in the next uh, week or two, uh, possibly three, which will do exploration. I mean, something quite exciting has happened in the last few months is we did an IP survey and there's, we're going to put out a press release about this in the next few days, but that has been very exciting. I mean, I can't give you the details, but uh, you know, everyone knows. So this IP survey has given us a whole bunch of new targets, which, which we're going to um, evaluate with percussion drilling. So our confidence in Twin Hills as a project or as a, as a large gold system has grown in leaps and bounds and continues to grow. So we've done so much technical work over the last year, especially or even six months, I would say, that our understanding of the geological controls and so forth has evolved tremendously and, and our confidence has improved tremendously too. So I, I truly think we have a potentially world-class gold deposit. I believe it is one of the few African discoveries of the last little while that is likely going to be turned around quicker than many other of the sort of other African discoveries. And we're going to put out some news and some more detail on that in the next few weeks. But basically, like I said, I think maiden resource within, call it six months from now, uh, PEA shortly thereafter, and ongoing exploration to make it bigger and better all along. We know that management is looking to copy the RX success, but what is the size of the deposit being sought at Twin Hills? And do you believe that the results so far point you to obtaining that goal or potentially even more success this time around with Ocino? I think we will have more success without a doubt. Well, I can describe that very simply. I mean, Oryx Gold had a, had a 1.9 million ounce resource with a PEA that we sold to B2 Gold in 2011 for $180 million. So that was about $100 an ounce from a valuation perspective. So our early exploration, I think we said this in one of the press releases, our early hit rate at Twin Hills was quite a lot better than the early hit rate at Ochicota. So we got, we got better results, thicker intercepts, 
um, i.e. likely larger volume, although in the beginning slightly lower grades, but that's that's coming around. So we were confident in the beginning that our uh, project would have a legitimate chance to become similar in size to Ochikoto, which is the B2 Gold one. I believe now it's going to get bigger. And I say that because of all this extra, all these extra targets that we have, all this extra drilling that we've done and all the drilling that we're doing right now. So if you relate that back to the valuation, I mean, back in 2011, we were in a descending gold price environment. Uh, as a management team, we didn't have track record. I didn't have a track record in the public markets. Um, and Namibian gold or Namibian gold mining didn't really have an international track record. Now, all of that has changed. We're in a, in a, in a hot and rising gold market. Uh, our team has a lot more track record. We have a lot more knowledge. And Namibian gold is on the maps. So I think not only will we likely find more resources and better resources than what Ochikoto had, what we did last time around. I also think that our corporate structure or architecture is better. And so I think we, we also have a, a good chance of achieving a much better valuation than we achieved back then. My response to your question, yes, I think there's a very good chance that we're going to improve and better what we did last time. Do you see that it's reasonable to have a goal in mind of to delineate in advance a 3 million ounce deposit potentially within a 10 kilometer radius at Twin Hills? You know, of course, I can't just state these numbers because they, you know, I'm bound by 43101. But conceptually speaking, no doubt. I think, I think in time, I would be very disappointed if Twin Hills doesn't grow to that sort of size. I think as a starting point, one and a half to two million ounces is my, my um, starting point. And I think we will be there quickly. But like one of my exploration buddies sort of facetiously said to me the other day, the first million answers is always the most difficult to find. Thereafter, it gets easier and easier. <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of truth to that, actually. We know that the footprint that we have at Twin Hill Central already promises one and a half to two million ounce uh, potential. That's not even taking depth extension, et cetera, and other things into account, which we are going to be testing, which we have tested already through deeper drilling where we're waiting for the results. But laterally also, we have all these brownfields, uh, satellite targets, some of which have already uh, returned mineralization in a 5 to 10 kilometer radius from Twin Hill Central. So, so all of that is going to be drilled in time and will throw up more ounces. And therefore, I think your sort of 3 million ounce conceptual target is uh, not far behind the horizon. Well, the focus, obviously, at this point, you guys are mainly focused on Twin Hills. Will that remain to be the case? And then... What is your expected timeline from here to get working on potentially a PEA? Or is that really the focus is to get moving down the road of a PEA as quickly as possible? Yes. So you asked me firstly, the focus is Twin Hill Central. Yes, certainly the we, we need to put the resources on the book because at the moment, many people still see us as an exploration company, whereas we actually are already a project or a resource development company. So in order to make that transition, we need to get substantial resources on the book. Um, so that's the first focus. And with that also comes the PEA. I think the PEA is important to me, not because I'm hung up about a PEA, because I mean, I, I, I think under normal circumstances, I would have delayed the PEA. I would have said, let's do one later. But nowadays, the rules have changed. You can do PEAs as often as you like. So as the, as the resource grows, we'll probably uh, do another PEA later. But there's a unique reason, sorry, just to digress, there's a unique reason why we have to do the PEA soon. And that is that there is expected M&A in our neighborhood. You know, we have we have an operating gold mine 20 kilometers away from us called Navachop. used to be owned by Anglo. Um, it's now owned by a sort of former private equity group who are looking to sell it. Um, and that will shine a big spotlight 
on our whole district. So in order to be ready for that process, either, either yeah, as a participant, let me say, it would be advantageous for us to, to have economics on our own projects out in the open. And that's why I'm forcing this, this PEA. So basically, we're going to push that PEA out as soon as we can after the maiden resource. I think a couple of months after the maiden resource, we should be able to get the PEA out. We're about to appoint the PEA contractor. It's going to come out in a press release who it is. So I don't want to say it yet, but it's a very credible, respected group that's built lots of gold mines in Namibia and in West Africa. Who's going to help us with that? So I think, I guess I'm sketching a picture here of, um, you know, behind the scenes, very, very active work going on to define and expand um, this Twin Hills project. But then at the same time, my last point, and then I'll pause. We are doing ongoing exploration on the rest of our pipeline projects also. Um, so that's not being left behind. Yeah, and speak to that. Are there any plans uh, for the rest of the year at Ajikoto East, uh, Gold Cuppy, Oasis Wedge? What's the plan there? Yes, so Achikoto East, definitely we will do a bit more um, target testing. We also doing early stage regional work like soil sampling, calcrete sampling, that sort of work at some of the other licenses. And then gold copy is an interesting one. We will definitely do some work there. It needs more drilling. It's a different style of mineralization that's marble hosted. So it tends to be higher grade, but it doesn't lend itself to bulking up. So it's not a multi-million ounce potential type of project or prospect. But it does have potential, so we will definitely go back and drill it. However, for now, in the next, next six months, we're so focused on getting as many holes as we can into the Twin Hill system as a whole that that's gobbling up all our resources. So I think we'll revisit this closer to the end of the year. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely will drill more at those other projects too. Okay, and why you guys are working on Twin Hills is, is kind of the primary focus here and, and possibly the, the core asset coming down the pipe. Is there any interest in joint ventures with companies or does Osino just plan to keep everything to themselves and, and continue to advance? You asked the question, so I'm going to get into it, even though it might be a little bit too detailed for, for a radio show like this. So I'll attempt, I'll, I'll, I'll try to be brief about it. But so we are definitely interested in strategic combinations. And one in particular, because basically this, this gold mine that's next to us is operating, has got all the infrastructure in place, is going to be available for sale. We have growth and we are going to build Twin Hills into a standalone uh, potential gold mine. But the combination of the two has very substantial uh, synergies and re-rating potential. We could consider at some stage, for example, hiving off some of the non-core assets that we have. Um, I mean, we haven't got any discussions to that to that effect ongoing, but it's a thought. But um, we spoke in the past about strategic JVs with producers or materials, basically strategic partners coming into Asino. We were interested in that because um, we saw the producers as a source of validation and capital. We don't need either of that anymore. So therefore, even though we're speaking actively to a bunch of companies out there who've taken an interest in Twin Hills, we're not very active on that front. However, there's one particular strategic um, combination that we are interested in, and that is with the neighboring gold mine that's only 20 kilometers away from us. Because if you look at other examples um, elsewhere in Africa and in Europe where you put resources with infrastructure together, you achieve a significant valuation re-rate. I think one such example, for example, Rupert Resources in Finland, they've got a mill and resources. They're trading at about $250 an ounce or $300 an ounce. You could also look at, there's an African producer called Taranga, 
which acquired a which had a mine and they acquired a project from Barrick next door. Subsequent to that deal, a major re-rating took place. So that's proof that if you were to put Osino's exploration ground together with production next door and infrastructure, you might achieve a similar re-rating. And I mean, if you apply if you apply those numbers to our current valuation, we currently value it at about $50 per ounce. If you assume we're going to get to 2 million ounces, let's just play this, this game for, for a moment. So I think we could re-rate $200 an ounce just organically on own strength. If you then add a, a producing mine next door, I think you could re-rate another $150 an ounce quite easily. That's $300 million worth of market cap. So can you see that's a very compelling uh, one plus one is much more than two uh, scenario that we're busy working on. We can't, we can't entirely control this because that sales process has not opened yet. We believe it will start later this year, but that's that's a key catalyst for, for Osina in the next six to 12 months. So what you're suggesting is, is with Twin Hills, Osino provides that expansion upside for any company that's looking to buy the neighboring mine operation. Is that what you're getting at? Yes, I think so. You know, I'm, I'm saying that ultimately um, the different parts of this puzzle should come together. So we've got the we've got the growth part. The mine has got the production part. I mean, it all depends. We, I can't predict how M&A will how M&A will play out. Um, it's possible that that sales process may it may be successful. It may not be. We may we may make a bid for that mine opportunistically. We may get together with somebody else and do it jointly. Or maybe the senior management team puts a bid on that mine together with with serious international capital like Rospiti and others. Whatever. There are many permutations possible, but all of them are advantageous and beneficial to Osino. So I think that's yes. that's the key. I think the key as an investor in Osino, you've got two major back, backstops. One is the resource that's coming that's basically in the bag. I, I'm speaking a little bit loosely over here, but you know we just have to go through the motions of drilling it out. But that resource is in the bag and we are our valuation does not reflect that that size of resource yet. So that's the one major backstop insurance for investors. And the second major back, backstop is this expected M&A where we are perfectly positioned. I mean, everybody in our sector speaks about M&A, but I think we've got a unique situation that's that's uh, where it is much more likely that such M&A will take place um, in a specific sense and not just as a general statement for the sector as a whole. So I think those two factors, to me, give me a lot of confidence in Osino as an investment proposition. Yes, and the capital backing also seems to be there. Along these lines, uh, can you just speak to the relationship with B2 Gold at this point? I mean, there is a history there. Are you guys uh, keeping in touch with B2 uh, for obvious purposes um, as this continues to play out? Yes, for sure. We have a very good relationship with, with B2 Gold. You know, a lot of the people that I, when I sold that that project to them, a lot of the people that I employed are still there. So I've got, we've got good relationships at the operational level. Um, I know Clive and his executive team quite well, so we've we've got ongoing discussions with them. We, in fact, we actually under CA with them, and that's I can say that because they generally take an interest. Their exploration group, Andy Brown and them, so you might know them. They they take an interest in in emerging projects. Having said that, though, uh, there's nothing formal going on. I mean, B2 Gold obviously it's a major company now, eight billion dollar market cap, so we're quite small. B2 needs things that move the needle. And, you know, with the success that they've been having in Mali, they're quite preoccupied there. But I do think once we um, once we put, say, two million answers on the book or thereabouts, I think it's going to get a lot of people's attention. It will certainly get B2's attention, but it will get other people's attention too. In fact, there are a number of other companies that that are talking to us 
uh, on a technical level, just because you know the discovery that we've made and and how it's evolving is quite it's quite something. It's quite it has been quite a quite an achievement, quite a feat, and I think a lot of companies have taken have taken note of that. Let's step back here to bigger picture. I'm assuming that Osino plans to remain exclusively in Namibia. Can you confirm that, and why do you see that as important? Yes, so I'm confirming that we are going to stay focused on Namibia. Um, I think it is important because I believe strongly in one should stick to your knitting. I believe in focus, um, and I believe diversification is only necessary to mitigate risk. Um, and I think for us, the risk has largely been mitigated already because we are now fully financed. And geologically, technically, we've been due risk substantially. So therefore, I think for a company like ourselves, um, you tend to get a better rating um, if you're a pure play in inverted commas. And I think in that regard, it's important to stay Namibia focused. But of course, there are, I mean, we see opportunities on a, on a regular basis. Um, and we evaluate these, but we haven't, we haven't seriously considered going anywhere else. I don't think we will any, anytime soon. We've got our hands full uh, delivering uh, what we have. And to be honest, you know, you don't find projects like Twin Hills every day. It's going to be hard to find another project like that just overnight. So I think the best way for us to add value is to, is to, is to um, deliver Twin Hills, the overall Twin Hills system. And Haya, what is the exit strategy for Osino and what is the time frame that you would like to see? Are you seeking to develop an attractive discovery with a buyout in two to three years? I think it's fair to say that. I mean, I don't want to talk about buyouts. You know, we focus on building a project here, but conceptually or generally speaking, I do believe that producers are better at building mines than juniors. Um, I also think that, you know, if you believe in the Lasson curve, which I, I sort of believe in it, not, 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 not entirely, but you know that under that under the sort of the, the, the hypothesis of that curve is that once the resource potential has been delineated, then you, your share price usually languishes for a while whilst you define that, that potential. And I think conventional theory or conventional wisdom is that that's the time or just before that time when you should sell. Now, um, where we are along that curve, I don't know. We're still on the upward trajectory on the sort of parabolic um, graph up. So I still think we have quite a lot of time still. We, we, we certainly will not be transacting before we have delineated the true potential of what we have. I think it would be foolish to do that. But we also know, and I think we've proven that before, it's always important to leave some on the table in order to do deals. I think with uh, current high valuations, it's going to get more and more difficult um, for, for majors to justify deals at some stage when the valuations are too high. So one just has to achieve the right sweet spot. And ultimately, I mean, I can't tell you what that is. It's, it's, it's substantially higher than where we are currently. But at the right time, I think if we get the right offer, um, I think we would go for it. I mean, you must remember also I'm a Namibian citizen, so I've got a big patriotic citizen hat too. So I'm very concerned about making sure that the, the sort of strategic project is um, safeguarded and shepherded in the right direction for the country. I think that was, for example, with B2Gold, very, very pleased about them ultimately acquiring us because they just did justice to what I just said. They became such, a, such an excellent corporate citizen in Namibia. So I think it would be great maybe to repeat something similar to that in the next little while. But ultimately, it's going to be driven by shareholder value.
Well stated. For potential investors who are listening on the sidelines, what would you say to them at this stage for the company? You've got 110 million Canadian market cap, approximately um, current price levels. Why should they consider Ocino now? I think now is the time to invest. Uh, like I said earlier, the risks are largely mitigated. You know, the, the biggest risk, the geological risk is largely gone. I mean, to drill out a resource is basically a mechanical process. Um, plus there's lots of upside, geological upside left. Secondly, the financing risk, which is the second biggest risk for juniors, is totally mitigated. We are financed to the hilt um, and we know what we're doing. And we are actually at on the cusp of the most exciting time period in any junior mining company's life cycle, because we are in the next six months, we're going to put a, a put on a substantial resource. We're going to have um, lots of drilling. We've got four rigs, another two rigs adding. So we'll have lots of results. Um, lots of technical results, feasibility studies, PEA, etc. So the next six to 12 months are going to be very exciting on their own, plus the support of market backdrops. So I really think Ocino is right now because our share price is not reflecting a lot of that project development stuff that I told you about yet, but that's going to happen in the next six months. And Haya, best way for the investors uh, to reach out to you and the company? The best is probably to email me directly. I have no problem. I try to respond to everyone. So I'll, I'll just state my email address quickly. So it's H-D-A-U-N. So my initial and then my surname at OcinoResources.com. Alternatively, Julia Becker, which is Becker at um, OcinoResources.com. She's our investor relations manager. She's based in Vancouver, so a bit of a, a better time zone. And you can always ask Julia for my telephone number. I do speak directly to a lot of investors. I'm quite prepared to take calls too. Um, and of course, through through platforms like yours, Andrew. So, so I really appreciate this sort of interview. All right, sir. Well, keep up the good work, and we look forward to seeing more. And uh, again, Haya, thanks for coming on the show. Great. Thank you very much for having us again.